the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. On KKLA 99.5 FM, some of you last weekend, the highlight of your weekend happened on Sunday night when you, along with about 40,000 of your closest friends and uh, neighbors, all gathered together down in Anaheim at Angel Stadium for the Harvest Crusade. What a night. What an event. And we thought before it gets too far in the rearview mirror, we should just take a little time and reconnect about uh, with, with what happened last week. It really was an outstanding evening. And Pastor Greg Laurie is joining us this afternoon for a look back at uh, Harvest last Sunday night. Greg, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Bob. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. So a, a great night last Sunday. And were you expecting that there would be as many people show up in a uh, pandemic? I mean, last year it was all online, so this year you're out in the open again. Did you think you'd have a full house? Yeah, that's a good question. I have to say that I had hopes that it would be a full house. I thought it probably would be, but of course it wasn't certain because we didn't meet last year, as you mentioned. We did a what we called a cinematic crusade that was titled A Rush of Hope which was fantastic, and we reached a lot of people we would have never reached normally. But coming back to live events, uh, we put this thing together in basically three months. Normally, we start working on a crusade about 11 months out. But uh, as we're entering into 2021, I thought, well, there's no way we can meet live. And then things started to flatten out at that moment. This is before the Delta variant and so forth. Right. So we thought, what if we could get the stadium for one night? Everything came together. The music came together. But we had very little time to do it. But, I, you know, thanks to give, I want to give God the glory, uh, the very amazing work of my team uh, and volunteers and, and so many other believers that just got down there and rolled up their sleeves, and we made it happen. And so I was delighted to see that stadium filled edge to edge with 40,000 very excited people. Yeah, I don't think anybody who was there thought, boy, this thing got thrown together at the last minute. I mean, it was just a great event. And not only for those who were there live, but there were tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands who were joining online and on radio. So talk about the reach of this event beyond the stadium. Well, sure. You know, one thing we discovered during... COVID is uh, the online capabilities are are almost incomprehensible. So, you know, we went from an online viewing audience on Sundays of around 10,000 to around 300,000 when COVID hit. (laughs) And those numbers have stayed the same for the most part. So we take our online uh, broadcast very seriously. And so while we had 40,000 people in the stadium, we had 200,000 people watching online, either at harvest.org, on our Facebook pages. And we can actually 
document that we you know we can track the numbers and now we're going to we're showing it through the week at harvest.org so people can see the crusade if they missed it and thousands and thousands more will end up seeing it so all told we had 4,000 people come forward in the crusade itself uh, for the invitation to accept Christ and another 2,000 people indicate their desire to follow Christ online so mm. uh, another thing I would add Bob is you know, when we did this cinematic crusade that we called a rush of hope, it was paced differently. We had elements that we were a part of it. We brought some of those cinematic elements into the live experience with interviews that I did with Daryl Strawberry and Alice Cooper because my theme was fame, the emptiness of fame. Right. How so many people want to be famous, but how empty it actually is. So I talked to two famous, iconic people and they told their stories, and I used it as a springboard for the gospel. And and the story that the two thousand people. Here's what I'm I'm always curious about: two thousand people online who watch this, who who indicate a profession, make a profession of faith. They they make a decision yeah. for Christ. I'm I'm just thinking of the person who is at home, in their they've got their laptop pulled up. Uh, first of all, how do they even hear about a Harvest Crusade? And then what would cause somebody who's not going to church to click on and say, well, I think I'll watch it. Maybe it's Daryl Strawberry and Alice Cooper, right? It's it's a lot of things, Bob. It's um, For one thing, it's Christians telling their non-Christian friends to watch. That's probably the most effective way to make it happen. But we do a lot of targeted uh, digital ads on social media to get people moving that direction. We use all of our social media platforms. Sometimes sometimes things just pop up and people find them other ways. So it's like every way imaginable. And plus we are on a whole bunch of Salem stations across the United States live. So, you know, what we're doing right now is we're doing broadcasting. We're on radio in a broadcast. The word broadcast means to sow seed. That's the original use of the word. So really what we do is, like in the parable of the sower, Jesus told a story about a sower that just threw his seed out in one of various types of ground. And that's what we do when we do these crusades. We throw it out to the people that are there, to the people that are listening, to the people that are watching. And then, you know, as time passes, I get these amazing stories that people tell me of conversions that happen in front of a radio and a and a family was transformed or watching it on a computer, watching it on a phone, watching it on a computer. I remember one lady told me that they were watching the crusade, her and her husband. She left the room for a few moments, came back, and as the invitation was being given and people were praying to receive Christ, she said her husband was down on his knees Hmm. praying, asking Jesus into his life. So, you know, this is the power of the gospel. I can't explain it. But I know there's power in this simple message, and that's why I proclaim it. What about, uh, I, I know when you have events like this, there are surprises in the middle. You have to stay flexible. You've got to adjust on the fly. Yeah. I also know there are stories you hear during and after the event. So take us behind the scenes and let us know what last Sunday night was like for you. That's a good question. Um, you know, it actually ran very smoothly Considering all of the moving parts that we put into this event, we we brought more screens in. We had more tech involved. 
we had more pre-recorded uh, elements that we rolled in, and, and a lot of things could have gone wrong. And in almost every crusade, <laughs> something apparently <laughs> does go wrong. But in this one, uh, surprisingly, with the as little ramp-up time as we had, and with all of the elements that were in play, it went really smoothly. And uh, so we're, we're really thankful for that. And, you know, it, I, because I'll tell you, we pray for everything. You know, we don't just pray for the preaching and the music. We pray for the tech guys. We, we pray for everyone because we're all working together doing the work of the Lord. And, and you know, we're just taking these platforms, these media platforms, and, and using them because so many people are, you know, spending time on phones right now looking at screens. So, you know, I think the best thing is to go to where people are. Yes, it's true that everybody should go to church, but Jesus did not say the whole world should go to church. He said the church should go to the whole world. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to meet people where they are and reach them with the gospel. And, and I think this response shows that there's a great hunger for the gospel right now. Because people come along and say, oh, well, this doesn't work anymore. And, you know, you can't just expect people to listen to someone preach a sermon. Look, it's always going to work because the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And the word that Paul used for power means dynamic, dynamite, power. There's power in this message. I want to ask you about the logistics of an event like this, because you, you talked about people saying this is not going to work anymore. I mean, when you started the Harvest Crusades back in, in 1990, there were a lot of people then who were saying the, the era of crusade-based evangelism is in decline. Sure. I mean, maybe Billy Graham can pull it off, but everybody yeah. else is going to, going to face hard times. Why is Harvest the, the exception to that rule? Well... You know, when we started, George H.W. Bush was president. Uh, Vanilla Ice had a hit <laughs> you know, on radio. It was another era. Yeah. The Internet was in its birth. It was just starting. Okay, so a lot of, we've been doing this 31 years. We've changed these crusade formats dramatically. Like the crusade of today is much different than the crusade of 1990 or even the crusade of 2000. And that's by design. I think that here's the thing. Sometimes we're rigid where we should be flexible, and we're flexible where we should be rigid, right? So where should we be flexible? Flexible with culture, flexible with technology, flexible with musical style. Adapt to the culture, relate to the culture, connect to the culture, okay? But where should we be rigid in our core purpose, which is to preach the gospel? So uh, what I did differently this year is normally I'd get up and give a 35-minute message. I did my message in sections this year, and that's something we did on the Cinematic Crusade. So I did a little beginning of about nine minutes, and I did like another 15-minute section, and then I did like a final 25-minute section uh, of the message. Because, you know, I think with people with their attention spans, with music, and, and different things that kept them engaged, and people say, Boy, I, I was just glued to my seat. I was just wondering, what's next? So that that's just an adapting to culture. I mean, look, social media has made us all collectively, I don't know what, but it's feel, I feel like sometimes we all have ADD together right now, you right. know? So 
I think you adapt to that short attention span, but yet at the same time understand the power of the gospel. So where I'm rigid or where I won't flex is in the simple proclamation of the gospel. But obviously in my illustrations and my points, it's going to be in the moment. I'm going to talk about what's happening around us right now, not what was happening around us 10 years ago. Uh, so I, I think you have to stay current. You have to stay fresh, but I think you have to stay focused on what your core message is. So I think it's all of those things in play simultaneously. Because sometimes I think you go to an event very current, very cool, but there's no gospel. There, mm. You know, there's no mm-hmm. there's no meat, if you will. But then you go to other events where it's great content, but man, they're like outdated by ten years, right? So. And I want to reach younger people, not just older people. So we had so many young people at our event, and we're always aiming toward younger people because most people make their commitment to follow Christ before the age of 18. Hmm. And and you had last Sunday night with you for King and Country and Phil Wickham, and yeah. th- these are guys who maybe not used to playing to 40,000 people, but they're used to playing to big arenas, big audiences. This, though, is a different event for them. So how do they adapt what they're doing? And what's their feedback to you about being a part of this kind of an event versus one of their regular concerts? Yeah, I think they both really get what we're doing. And normally, if you go to a Perking and Country concert, it's an incredible performance. They're they're really a very um, entertaining band to watch. And I don't mean that critically. I mean it as a compliment. And, you know, it's a show. They put on a great show. Uh, They're great musicians, but they also have great content and their lyrics and have a great ministry element. And Phil Wickham is the same, but, you know, maybe more of a worship leader in addition to being a great performer and singer-songwriter. In fact, Phil did a really cool little video, uh, I guess you would call it a vlog, you know, that we posted on Instagram that, his team put together sort of showing behind the scenes what it's like. You know, they understand that they're there to serve a greater purpose. So normally if you went to a Phil Whitcomb concert, you're going to hear Phil, you know, play and sing for maybe an hour or more. Same for King and Country, but in this situation, they might do two or three songs. Uh, But they know what they're there for. They support the mission and the vision of it. And that's why they they come and do it. And, And so we're thankful that, you know, we can find artists that understand what it is we're trying to accomplish and want to work with that. Because it, when it's all said and done, though it has music, it's not a concert. It, we call it a crusade, and that's a word that Billy Graham coined. And, and it's kind of a dated word going back to World War II days. Uh, but, but the idea of it is that it's a focused event. A crusade is, hey, we are going with a specific purpose. And that purpose is to bring the gospel to people. Hmm. Are, are you talking to other pastors, other people who have the gift of evangelism in other cities who are saying, I want to do this in my city? And, and when they ask you that, what advice do you give them? Well, I would just say that they can do it in their city. They can do it in their church. I mean, I think one of the greatest opportunities is throw the net at the end of a message. I mean, every Sunday you're, you have people visiting your church, and I think we just assume that 
these people, you know, already know how to accept Christ, but I find the biggest problem many people have is they literally don't know how to do it. Hmm. They don't know how to accept Jesus into their life. Like the story of that man from Ethiopia, you know, who went to Jerusalem searching for God, and Philip engaged him with the gospel and told him about Jesus, and the man uh, didn't know how to do it. He says, how can I know unless someone shows me the way? So I really encourage pastors, you know, throw that net. Uh, And by that I mean give that invitation, regardless of what you're preaching on. Say, hey, if you're joining us today and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, let me just share with you a couple things that you need to know. And you just articulate the gospel in a very understandable way. And but I do think it's a great idea for churches to do events in their communities and maybe get outside of the walls of the church and do something a little different, not make it so, you know, churchy, and uh, make it more of an event designed for a non-believer to attend. These, these are great things that God will bless because, you know, when you read Luke 15, you see God's attitude toward evangelism. <clears throat> he uses three analogies, a story of a shepherd who lost the sheep, a father who lost the son, and a woman who lost a coin. And they all searched for it, and Jesus summed it up by saying, and I tell you, there's joy in heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance. So heaven rejoices when people come to Christ. So we should rejoice, too, and get in sync with what God wants us to do. We're talking with Pastor Greg Laurie about last Sunday night's Harvest Crusade. And as you said, Greg, this is uh, still available online. So any of our listeners who would like to go check it out, where do they go to find it? Uh, Just go to harvest.org, and it will play tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. in its entirety. And so go check it out. Watch it. Get your friends to watch it, because this will continue to be posted for people to see. And then we'll ultimately archive it, which means people can watch it on demand. And and talk about getting a friend to watch it, because I'm thinking of our listeners who are going, I have this friend. I've been praying for him. I've been going to lunch and looking for opportunities to share the gospel. If I was going to send my friend an email and say, hey, you ought to check this out, what what would I tell him as the reason why he ought to check this out? Right. Well, I read a stat that said 85% of nonbelievers would be willing to discuss the faith of their Christian friend if the Christian friend really wanted to talk about it. So I think when you're a good Christian friend, you're going to earn the right to talk. You know, you've been there for them in times of need. You've done things together. They trust you. And then you call them up and say, or you send them a text and say, I'd like you to watch something. This means a lot to me personally. This is what has changed my life. Why don't we watch this together? It's a great event with music and a message where this guy talks about uh, what, you know, answers questions like what is the meaning of life? Why am I here on this earth? What happens after I die? And I honestly think just your relationship, you know, you built up a certain amount of goodwill. You, You sort of now you're going to cash that in. And you're going to say, okay, would you do this with me? And because they like you, they trust you, they're going to do that. So I don't think it's any particular thing maybe you say that makes them want to watch it, but rather it's more of you have a relationship with a person, and now you can take that relationship and leverage it 
for the gospel. I've come up with an acronym that I use to help people know how to share their faith. I call it BLAST, B-L-A-S-T. B stands for build a bridge. You know, when you want to share the gospel with someone, don't just start with a gospel assault. Unless you're in a plane going down and you have two minutes, okay? Then hit them with the gospel. But if you have the luxury of time, start with B, build a bridge. Then L, listen. Be a good listener. Listen to what they have to say. Effective evangelism is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. And then A, ask questions. Uh, Ask them what they think about this. Ask them what they think about that. S stands for share your testimony. One of the most effective tools you have in your evangelistic toolbox is your personal story of how you came to Christ. You know, in pretty much every instance when Paul preached the gospel to secular leaders, he began with this testimony. And we all have a testimony. And then T, tell them about Jesus. So build a bridge, listen, ask questions, share your testimony, tell them about Jesus. I think if you apply that those principles, it will help you in that conversation. We're talking with Pastor Greg Laurie. We're talking about last week's Harvest Crusade, last Sunday night's Harvest Crusade. I want to ask you, Greg, to, to talk about... If if it is that simple, why don't more people do it? But we're going to take a quick time out and continue the conversation in just a bit. Stay with us. Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. On a Friday afternoon, we've got uh, Pastor Greg Laurie joining us this afternoon. We're talking about last Sunday night's Harvest Crusade. Uh, Some of you were there. Many of you prayed for the event. And, Greg, at the event, you made a a big announcement about something called the Jesus Revolution. Talk about that. Yes. I'm very excited about that, Bob. Um, We're we're calling 2022 the year of the Jesus Revolution. Uh, It's the 50th anniversary of the Jesus Movement. And we're doing a couple of big things in this year to acknowledge that and and in hopes and prayer that we'll see another spiritual awakening in our country. Number one, we're doing a live event, a one-night live event at the brand-new SoFi Stadium. This is where the Rams play. This is where the Super Bowl will happen. It's a $5 billion state-of-the-art Stadium that you would normally pay lots of money to go to, and we're going to have a free event called Jesus Revolution. And that brings me on this going to be on July 3rd. So mark your calendars now. July 3rd, SoFi Stadium up in the LA area. And that brings me to the next announcement. Uh, my friend John Irwin of the Irwin Brothers, who have a film out right now called The Jesus Music, a great yeah, film, by the right. way. You can see it in theaters. It tells the story of the birth of contemporary Christian music, and it's sort of like a preparing the way for this bigger story we're going to tell because The Jesus Music is a documentary, but Jesus Revolution is going to be a feature film, and it's going to be the story of this spiritual awakening that will tell my story, my wife's Kathy's story, as we were young people coming to Christ, the story of Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee, who came together, and there was this explosion that was really the last great spiritual awakening in America. So that film is going to come out later in 2022. 
We'll probably have part some a little bit of that film to show at our live event on July 3rd. But, you know, it's been said that the fame of revival spreads the flame of revival. So the reason we want to tell revival stories is to inspire people to pray for another revival or another spiritual awakening. So those are our big plans for 2022. And by the way, that SoFi Stadium seats 85 to 100,000 people. So that's one big place. So I'm going to ask my Christian friends to join me in prayer and just mark that date because I can pretty much guarantee this is an event you will not want to miss. A full SoFi Stadium on July 3rd would be amazing. And and I just have to know, for those, some of who are listening, you, you know, um, they don't give you a discounted rate to rent SoFi Stadium, and it's not cheap. So those who want to pitch in and help cover the cost on this can uh, help do that through Harvest.com as well. But uh, here, here's my question. Who's, who's cast to play Greg Laurie in the movie? Has that been decided yet? Yes, it's a, it's a young man. He's an actor, and he's uh, right now. He was in a film called Super Eight, and he was also uh, he's also being featured in the series on Netflix called The Kissing Booth. His name is Joel Courtney, and uh, he's he's a very good actor. Is he so handsome enough to pull off the role? Well, yeah. <laughs> I think so, yes. Okay. He's a good-looking young man, so I think he'll do a great job. And uh, they haven't cast Chuck. They're in the process of doing it. And they haven't cast the other characters, but some great... Who they're going to cast is Lonnie, who's a pivotal character in this story. It's going to be... I mean, I, I think I know who's going to play, but I can't say it right now, but it's going to be great. And people will love this choice. Well, again, uh, the the July third at SoFi Stadium, and then the film coming out after that, and and talk about the need for um, spiritual awakening. I mean, we really find ourselves in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two in a very similar place to where our culture was at the end of the sixties, the beginning of the seventies, when we were as a nation headed away from God at full speed. And if it had not been for the Jesus revolution that took place 50 years ago, I think I think we might be in a very different place as a country, as a nation today. I think that's true, Bob. You know, I mean, as we look back historically, you know, America and France both had revolutions. Uh, we had a revolution that formed our country, and, and France had a revolution that devastated their nation. And in ours, our revolution grew out of the seed of a spiritual awakening. This is what people don't understand about American history. You know, there's another George in the American history story. It's not just George Washington, our first president and the general uh, who led the Continental Army, but it's George Whitfield, a preacher from England, yeah. who led what many believe is the first great spiritual awakening in America that resulted in thousands of people living here before we were a nation coming to Christ. And it was that soil of virtue and morality that that a nation could grow out of. And this is why when we've tried to sort of rebuild an American culture or nation build in other parts of the world, it has not, it has not succeeded because it was rooted in revival. Hmm. And uh, so going back to the late 60s, a very similar dynamic, 
nation is literally unraveling. I was talking with a young person the other day, and they asked me, do you think that uh, this time we're in now is the closest to the late, uh, late 60s, early 70s? I said, yes, it is, because, you know, I was born in the 50s, so I've lived in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. And there's been no time in our history that is closer to the upheaval, chaos, and division of the late 60s. Right. And so I think it's, there, there is that dynamic that's very reminiscent of that time. And God intervened. It, it was an awakening. You know, I once asked Chuck Smith, who is regarded by many as the father of the Jesus movement, if we would ever see another Jesus movement. And he said, Greg, I'm not sure if we're desperate enough. And uh, so I think if we're desperate enough to pray and say, Lord, send this awakening to America. So only God can send an awakening. We cannot create an awakening. That is from the Lord. But we can prepare the ground, or maybe I should say we can prepare the ground and make sure that we as individuals are living a a spiritually revived life. You know, I think that uh, when it comes back to evangelism, you know, one of the reasons people don't evangelize more is maybe they're afraid of failure, but maybe they're afraid of success. In other words, oh, what if I talk to someone and they accept Christ? What do I do now? What do you do now? You take them under your wing and you disciple them. That's part of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is, according to Mark's gospel, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Matthew's gospel, it's to make disciples of all nations, uh, teaching them to observe all things that Christ has commanded us. So literally, something that can bring revival into a Christian's life is to take a new believer under their wing and help them to get up on their feet. Because, you see, you stabilize them, and they energize you. It's sort of like going to Disneyland with adults or kids. If you want to have a bad day at Disneyland, go with old people. Don't just complain (laughs) about the prices, the lines. You know, go with young people. I mean, really young people, kids, real little kids even. And it's, oh, you know, they're experiencing it. They're having a great time. See it through a child's eyes. In the same way, when you bring a new believer into your life and you're seeing these things that sometimes we take for granted through a child's eyes, if you will, through a new believer's eyes, it can energize and revive you. And I think the devil doesn't want us to share our faith. And, and I think we need to take these bold steps of faith and take risks and get out there because actually one of the most energizing things you can do is tell others about Jesus. Well, I just want to affirm what you're saying. I had dinner last night with a guy from our church who on Sunday mornings before church is meeting with a, a new believer, with somebody who has just recently expressed an interest in faith. And they're getting together and they're going through some simple material and working through it. My friend last night was so energized, so pumped up from his Mm -hmm. meetings on Sunday morning as he's helping to nurture new life in somebody else. And uh, if all of us would just look for the one or two people in our world who we could pour out into their lives like that, you're right. It would, it would have an energizing effect on the entire body of Christ. Very true. You know, it just starts with us as individuals. The Great Commission is a command. It's not a suggestion. That's why we don't call it the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. 
But the problem is the Great Commission for many has become the great omission. They're not doing it. And let me say something that might seem controversial, but I think it's true. Uh, I think to not share your faith can be an act of disobedience to God. I'll take it a step further. It can be a sin. Yeah. Because the Bible says to him that knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. I mean, let's say I'm walking down the street and there's a house on fire. And, and someone tells me there's a child inside. Now, I can be a hero and maybe run in and try to save the child. At the very least, I can call 911. But if I take a couple of pictures of me in front of a burning house and keep walking, that, that is like almost criminal. In fact, right. I think it probably is. And so in the same way, here we are living our lives. We have the answer. We know we'll go to him when we die. We have Jesus in our life, and yet we never tell anyone. We know what we should do. It's not that hard to do, frankly. So why aren't we doing it? And I think what fear of not having the answer to the question the person asks or the fear of them laughing at us, well, that can all happen. I've had all of that happen to me. But, you know, all you have to do is say, well, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that question. Let me get back to you, but here's what I do know. But you might find that you know more than you think you know. <laughs> all those years of hearing the Bible taught on KKLA and going to church and, you know, all that input that you've had in your life, you know a lot more than you think you know. So it's time to take what you've learned to put it into practice and put it into action. We're talking with Pastor Greg Laurie about revival and spiritual awakening about what happened last Sunday night at Angel Stadium with the Harvest Crusade. We'll continue our conversation in just a minute. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA. Southern California Live on KKLA on a Friday afternoon with Bob Lapine. Uh, Pastor Greg Laurie joining us this afternoon. We're talking about spiritual awakening, revival in our country. We're talking about last Sunday night and what happened at Angel Stadium. 40,000 people, uh, tens of thousands more who were watching and listening on radio, online, um, and thousands who have responded to uh, to your message, Greg. In fact, uh, any stories that stood out from, from I, know, I know you're hearing from people who came forward, who responded. Any particular stories that stand out? Yeah, I just got an email, Bob, from a guy. He's 42 years old, and he was invited to a free concert by some very close friends, and and <laughs> they didn't tell him everything because we got there. <laughs> they said, well, there's going to be a message as well. And, and this guy says, uh, his name is Frank, he says, hey, I, I, I didn't want to hear the message, and I even said to my friend, I want to leave. Uh, but he, here's what he writes. I really enjoyed the music, but as soon as you started giving the message, it got very uncomfortable, and I asked my friends if we could leave. The response was, not until this is over. Frank writes, my palms started sweating. I knew that my friends had spoken to you and asked if they had. They said, no, we didn't. By the way, I've heard that more than once. People think that that, I, that that someone talked to me about them because I'll <laughs> illustrate and I'll think that's their life. It's actually the conviction of the Spirit. Frank continues to write. He said, no, we didn't tell him anything. And then Frank says, I felt like everyone in the stadium was looking at me. After your message about not hardening your heart, you gave the first invitation. I asked again, can we leave now? They said, not until it's over. 
He gave a second invitation. I didn't want to be there. And then finally, third time, I was down there on the field. A young man approached me and asked me if he could pray for me. I asked, why would God forgive me of my sins after living the way I'd lived? And he told me Christ could do that and more. I started crying like a baby. I just accepted Jesus. And so this guy, you know, he's, he's in his 40s, and he was, he was fighting with God and running from God and finally comes around. So, you know, we all know a Frank. We all know a guy like this who, who will say no. But I love the persistence of his Christian friend. And that persistence paid off. And I would say persistently ask people to, to maybe watch the link at harvest.org and watch the crusade for themselves or engage them in a conversation. You know, don't be obnoxious. Don't be rude. But don't take no for an answer so quickly either. That's, that's great counsel because I think a lot of us just, we fold and, and we want to be, we don't want to be the obnoxious guy. And so we say, okay, whatever you want, but maybe a little more uh, chutzpah, isn't that the word, right, that we should have? Chutzpah, that's right. <laughs> that's it, yes. You know, that, there, there needs to be a, a boldness in what we do. And again, coming back to the burning house analogy, uh, you, you know, you would take that seriously. And we have to take this seriously. You know, the Bible says some saved by uh, by fear. Uh, and, and the idea is, you know, sometimes you just realize these people are going to hell. And, and I don't have time to mess around. I heard of a lady that I know who was, she got COVID and was in the hospital, was on a ventilator. And, uh, and I talked to her about the Lord before, but we hadn't really gone in depth into the conversation. And I asked um, her family if they would hold a phone in front of her uh, and put it on FaceTime. And, and, you know, there she was, and we were talking and I, and I just, I shared the gospel with her again. And I said, would you like to accept Jesus Christ right now? And uh, she said, yes. So up to that point, she wasn't ready, but you know, Hey, when you're on your deathbed, Suddenly, you have clarity of thought, and yeah. in the words of the great theologian Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, <laughs> know when to walk away. You know, so there's a time. There's a time where you water it, seed somebody else sows, and there's a time where you just say, "I'm going for this thing. I'm yeah. asking the person right now." You might be surprised by the response of people. I've I've heard testimonies. You have as well, Greg, where somebody will say, um, "I." I went forward, I prayed a prayer, I, I trusted Christ, and then I never grew. I didn't know what to do. Um, yeah. and, and they're kind of stillborn. They're, they, they're left mm-hmm. alone for a while, and they don't. nothing happens. What's going to happen with Frank? What are you guys doing with him? And what should we be doing with people who have made a recent profession of faith? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, the answer is this, the Great Commission is to evangelize and disciple not just evangelize. Again, Mark's uh, version is Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But in Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, he says, go make disciples of all nations. So we have a responsibility when we pray with someone to accept Christ to follow up. Now look, at Harvest Ministries, we do everything we can do. Uh, We immediately contact those people. We get their information. We give them a New Believers Bible, which is a special edition of the New Testament that I did with Tyndale that's filled with hundreds of notes that I wrote. Uh, We send them follow-up texts. We send them follow-up emails. 
We do everything we can just short of being completely obnoxious <laughs> to help them. Then we give their contact info to a church that's near where they live, and that church contacts them as well. So the way I look at this, Bob, is if the person wants to continue on, they will, and many do and some don't. So we can only do what we can do. But, but ultimately, I think that the real weight of it rests on the person who brought that person. So like, so if you brought somebody to the crusade and they accepted Christ, you know, we'll do everything on our end that we can do, but there's only so much that an organization can do, you know, with emails and texts and things of that nature. We need them to come into our church or they need to go into your church, but really the weight would rest on your shoulders. Like, hey, Bob, <laughs> you brought them, now disciple them. That's your job, buddy. It's everybody's job. And, oh, I'm not qualified. Actually, you are. It, you know, and, and if you don't know, you can get some on-the-job training. But you can do this. And as well, we mentioned earlier, it's something that will revitalize the individual Christian. And I know you have available on the website resources. There are videos yeah. that people can watch. There's There are articles. There's all kinds of stuff so if somebody says, I don't know yeah. where to take somebody, just pull up harvest.org, and, and the information is there and will help you. That's right. We have a, we have a daily devotional uh, that people can subscribe to. Uh, we have a daily radio program right here on KKLA. Uh, we have a TV program. Uh, we have podcasts. We And then I just put all kinds of stuff out on social media pretty much every day. So there's a lot of content that we provide for people, and, and the great place to go is just harvest.org. It's all there, one-stop shopping, and it's all free, too. <laughs> With the plans that you have for July 3rd at SoFi, does that will that take yeah. the place of the Harvest Crusade in 2022? Yeah, it probably would, uh, I would think. We're still thinking about that, praying about that. I, I won't say we wouldn't do something at Angel Stadium. Uh, but but it will probably kind of that will be the event because it will be that event and more and and what we want to do is is we're going to leverage every media platform we can to simultaneously blast that thing out to a much larger audience than we normally reach. So this is going to be kind of a next level event and and it's the stadium is so cool. I've only seen pictures. I haven't been there yet. Looking forward to going there, but. It's massive stadium with great technology and screens everywhere to really actually make it more intimate, uh, make it feel smaller. Hmm. And that's what we want to do. You know, we want to connect with the person and, and let and really so many people commented my social media and have contacted me and just said, you know, how how they feel being a part of something like this and how, you know, we're together as a family worshiping and what a wonderful experience that is. And then using this tech, not to distance ourselves from the people there, but to bring it closer. And and plus, it works really well for the people who are viewing it online, on their phones or their tablets or their computers or their TV screens. So, so we'll see about anything beyond that. But this is a big commitment, and we're already starting to work on it. Well, and it is a, it's a huge vision that God has given you for this. And and I just hope listeners will uh, will start now. First of all, block it out on your calendar now. I mean, let's plan ahead. I'm, I'm a little frustrated with yeah. people who, who kind of 
don't make plans in advance. Make plans for this one. So plan to yeah. invite friends from out of town to come join you and be part of this next year, July 3rd. Mark this. And then start praying now for this event. And and p- people who want to help and be counselors and be at the event, they can just go to the website and, and stay in touch and find out more. Right, Greg? Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. We'll be giving you updates as we get closer, but it's going to be a big year with this event and this new film. Because that film, Bob, will go out, you know, as a nationwide release. It'll be in theaters all over the the nation, in the world, and then ultimately on streaming platforms, too. So that this film is a huge thing. And well, it's going to tell an amazing story. And I, and I hope our listeners will pray for that and pray for you, Greg Laurie, joining us this afternoon. Greg, thank you for the time. Thanks for your work for the crusade last week and just for your heart. We love you and we appreciate you. And uh, great to have you this afternoon on Southern California Live. Thanks so much. God bless you. Yeah. And the rest of you have a great weekend. We'll see you next week here on KKLA. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.